Hello and welcome to another episode of You Haven't Seen That, the podcast where we watch the films my co-host missed growing up. My name is Kristen, I'm joined by Eric. Hey everyone. And we've got a massive, massive one for me as a kid today. I know I say that a lot, but this one is huge for me. This is a film that introduced me to John Carpenter. It's a film that introduced me to Kurt Russell. It is Big Trouble in Little China. There is a hidden world where ancient evil weaves a modern mystery. What's going on here? Is this some kind of... Magic. The darkest magic. They call it Little China. Finally, we shall bring order out of chaos. It's where big trouble was waiting for Jack Burton. Who? Jack Burton. Me. They told him to go to hell. He make one move. And that's just where he's going. There are many mysteries, many unanswerable questions, even in a life as short as yours. This is gonna take Cracker Jack timing, Wang. Total concentration. You ready, Jack? I was born ready. Jack Burton's coming to rescue your summer. Hey, what more can a guy ask for? 20th Century Fox presents Kurt Russell in John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China. It's on the reflexes. So, yeah, so you say introduced. Did you see this before? Was this your first? This was my first introduction to both of those guys. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, I think I had seen Tango and Cash maybe oh, before. Yeah. But, like, uh, before this. But that, like, the takeaway from that was Stallone, I yeah. guess. Um, which now it's like, no, Kurt Russell, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, this I saw this when I was probably about six or seven or so. And it just, like... I fell in love with it and then yep. like fell in love with John Carpenter and Kurt Russell and kind of then went back and discovered all of their other stuff. Yep. Yeah. So this was well before The Thing and... Wow. Yeah, yeah that is young. <laughs> See, like, yeah, watching The Thing at like seven years old is a bit much. That's probably a little much. So I think like my mum waited till I was like, you know, nine, ten. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, and how many times do you reckon you've seen it all up? Rough guess. Uh, rough guess, 20 plus probably. Yep. And I still love it every goddamn time. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> so what do you know or have uh, heard about this film? Judging from a little bit of what you've talked about in our last episode, Escape from New York, um, this is going to be a bit more lighthearted. Uh-huh. <laughs> judging from your love of it as a six-year-old, yeah. it's got to be pretty goofy. Yeah. Or something to that extent. And I'm pretty certain I know one of the scenes where a guy is essentially just keeps in- getting in- inflating. The inflating scene. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ah! gonna stop so um it's clearly not taking itself too seriously yep um and now i will flip over the dvd cover yep blu-ray cover and surely it's not based on this artwork (laughs) (laughs) it's like kurt russell doing the fonz could be what do you you reckon his name could be fonzarelli (laughs) arthur arthur fonzarelli (laughs) Oh, no idea. Um, but yeah, so you, you're thinking like that's too going to be too outlandish for what this could be. Well, not necessarily. I'm not, <laughs> sure, what this, I'm not sure what this is going to be. Um, I, yeah, it's just it's going to be... Um, so what, what do you see on there at least? All right. So on this particular artwork, we've got Kurt Russell wearing a singlet tucked into his jeans like every good 80s man. Yep. Um, it's got some <laughs> Chinese artwork on it. 
he's got his Tech Nine looking thing. <laughs> he's shiny, and um, and then there's just a big truck. There's a bunch of I'm gonna call them Chinamen because they're kung fu fighting. Yeah. Um, one, a couple of them have tridents. <laughs> 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 yep. Um, there's a, a damsel in distress. She looks very 80s. And there's a guy with like sweet mystical eyes and creepy long nails. All right. And a, yeah, a lot of just ch- Chinese looking artwork and um, and the Golden Gate Bridge by the looks of things. So yeah. Um, yeah. I'm guessing so, we're over in San Fran. Yeah. Okay. You've got that. Yep. I've no, got no, one thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, you've got quite a few. There are guys with tridents in this or, or at least one. <laughs> so, Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I get any guess at a plot or. He's a truck driver. And he's got to make... He either works out there. I mean, actually, he's got his little mic in his hand there. So, oh, he's going to have some fabulous code name. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm not well, even at least try his truck and, has yeah. to have a name. <laughs> so uh, I'm not even going to try and guess that one, but yeah. I'm looking forward to the reveal. Um, either he has to make delivery into or out of Little China. Um Look, he's escaped once, so let's say he's going in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then things possibly don't yeah. go as planned or... I would... Yeah. Yeah, Little China. I mean, I know um, that San Francisco has Japantown. I'm pretty sure they've got a Chinatown from memory. So, I'm, yeah, guessing around that. And mm-hmm. There's some big trouble there. Yeah, I think you could be onto something. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> should we chuck it on and find out? Yeah, let's just find out what this is. Well, that was big trouble in Little China. Oh, Man, that was a ride. Is your life supremely better having seen that film? Because that's the the way I feel. The world either makes less sense or more sense after (laughs) seeing that film. Um, Yeah, no, life is, um, yeah, another step closer to being complete. It is is a weird, wild wild little ride of a film, isn't it? It certainly is. Like, how you dream that up. Yep. And then get the budget to be able to put it together. Yep. And then actually pull off a schlocky, not taking itself seriously film, but do it so well that it... An amazingly fun adventure, mysticism... Makes little to no sense. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean it, it, there's, there is a plot there. There is a vague plot. <laughs> yeah. But, like, the deeper parts of the plot are unnecessary. If you can't hear part of it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and there's even points um, where, like, Egg Chen is just like, doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> just go for the ride. Minute. Wait a minute. I'm a reasonable guy, but I've just experienced some very unreasonable things. It depends on how you look at the it. The hell it does. So somebody, I don't care who, tell me what is going on. Yeah, so I guess the loose plot, I guess, is we've got truck driver Jack Burton, mm-hmm. uh, who, when he's delivering, uh, making delivery into Chinatown in San Francisco, gets mm-hmm. caught up uh, his friend Wang's fiance Mao Ling is kidnapped yep. by the White Tigers at the airport at the airport no security to, <laughs> pre 9-11 <laughs> to be sold as a sex worker in a brothel but then uh, the ancient uh, <laughs> David Lopan who is 2,000 years old yep. who is who is cursed with, by a demon Needs who needs a green-eyed woman to marry and sacrifice to the demon so he could rule over eternity. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> stick with us, folks. <laughs> <laughs> he kidnaps 
uh, uh, Mao Ling from uh, the White Tiger's Brothel, and so Jack Burton uh, Wang, with the help of Attorney at Law Gracie Law, <laughs> uh, Eddie the um, uh, not the but the uh, major, major D at the restaurant, and a hapless journalist, yep. all go off to save the day. And Egg Shen, and Egg Shen, who is a local sorcerer. <laughs> Sorcerer by night and tour, tour bus driver by day. Yeah. Amazingly played by Victor Wong. Who, yeah, um, yeah. I know him from my childhood as uh, he's the grandpa in Three Ninjas. Oh, <laughs> uh, He has a great role in Tremors, which is a fantastic film. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. And all you left out were three elemental warriors. That's right. <laughs> yeah. The, the three... Uh, what were they called? Uh, the three storms? Or yeah. Something? And it's yeah. Uh, thunder, lightning, and rain. Yeah. <laughs> Who was actually the inspiration for Raiden from Mortal Kombat? It was, was it? Yeah, with the hat and everything. And it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. As was, I believe, the um, the seeing eye blob monster is kind of an inspiration for the Doom monster. It is, is it? Good. Yeah, yeah I assume so. Yeah, but this is... <laughs> Okay, I figure where we start with, with this absolutely bonkers film is... Um, so, John Carpenter, for you, you've seen The Thing, yes. Halloween, now Escape from New York, because yep. of the last episode. Mm-hmm. Any others? I don't think so. Like the, the main kind of horror-y kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So how different and kind of... Did this just break you to some degree? Like, because it is a oh. very different film for Carpenter. Yeah, like, um, it definitely feels Carpenter. Yep. Like, once you tr- stop trying to make sense of it and just go for the ride. Yeah. Um, like, I stopped caring about the plot. <laughs> like I didn't know what was going on for about forty five minutes. Yeah, I'm just like it's all going to make sense. I'm sure. Just one day, yeah. it's, gonna, it's all going <laughs> to slot in. I am sure it'll all make enough sense. There's not going to be a deep meaning to this. There will just be a plot. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, it was totally different to the others, of course, but still had all the the style. Like, um, particularly, you re- I really noticed it in the early street brawl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess um, when the Good Chinese gang fight yeah. place off against the bad Chinese gang. Yeah, I, f- yeah, I yeah. forget the names of the um, gangs. They, they weren't important, I no, guess. No, they, yeah. they were kind of... Well, they came back, both of them, I guess. Yeah. But um, that brawl, like, was great. It was yeah. really, like, well shot. Really, like, it genuinely looked like everybody was getting punched and kicked in the face and thrown through walls. It's a great little set piece, that one. Really well done. Like, really well shot. Every single act of combat was different. It wasn't just, like, repeated blocks and punches or... It's, it, bad street fights look like just, like, uh, it's block, block, punchy sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like, everything was Super different. choreographed. Really things, choreographed. Yeah. Really soft hits. Yeah. Um, Either nah. that or it can go the other way where there's just too much happening on the screen and yes. you like lose track of what the hell is going on Transformers yeah <laughs> before you even said that I was planning in my head like I'll drop in a Transformers <laughs> <laughs> sorry for stealing your thunder no that's alright I'll put um, it in now <laughs> <laughs> oh great yeah um, but yeah that, that moment I'm like this is a well made film yeah I'm, I'm like really enjoying the construction of this and even just, like, the little costume bits. Yeah. Um, like, at the airport, those three gang members. Oh, my God, his glasses are oh amazing. Oh, my gosh, they're incredible. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah. And then it just evolves. Like, I guess guess we'll talk about him soon, but Kurt Russell's character is just hilarious. Yep, yep. It's, a, it's that... 
it makes you realize why Kurt Russell is such a fun actor to watch on film because yes. he just he knows how to play it and what to do. Yeah. Although apparently he had a bit of a tough time early on because he what he didn't really know what to do with the character. I no, I can imagine. And apparently there's like this great book, uh, The Making of Big Trouble in Little China. I've got a quote of Kurt Russell from that talking about it. Yeah. And he said uh, he always imagined Jack Burton as going to a screening of Big Trouble in Little China, his autobiography. And he was shocked at what he was watching, <laughs> but he couldn't say anything because the audience was enjoying it so much. <laughs> so he'd just have to go along with it. Now, that was his kind of idea and basis. And uh, he and John just started working on that and yep. off it went. Yeah, I reckon it worked well because, yeah, like I, I said to you during the film, he reminded me a lot of Han Solo. Yeah. Like there's some real like... Um, it's, it's the roguish kind of... Make it up as you go along. Braggart who's in a way over his head. Yeah, way over his head. Yeah. Um... And then, yeah, and then, yeah, it just seemed to make more and more sense as he went. Yeah. Um, Which is, like, uh, I mentioned to Eric, like, Eric brought that up and while we were watching it, and um, I thought it said it was very convenient, because Kurt Russell actually made it, like, was almost cast as Han Solo. Yeah. Check out his screen test on YouTube, it's pretty interesting. And I think we're due the reward you offered. And it had better be pretty substantial after what we've been through. When R2 has been safely delivered to my forces, you will get your reward. You have my guarantee. What's that little droid carrying? It's so blasted important. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, and I, I like just how even, um, like, that character left because of his characters. He wasn't, he wasn't, um, his character from um, Escape from New York. No. Uh, he's, he, he's the furthest thing from the fur- yeah. yeah, so straight away he's the complete opposite. And then like that um, fight scene when they're trying to escape the weird palace place the first time, and um, he he fires all the bullets and then the gun you know empties the clip and then he goes to get his <laughs> get his knife out of his boot and th- actually throws it away but he's pulling it out. <laughs> And in the and meantime, Wang is taking care of everybody. Yeah, the um, I would imagine like if there's an honest trailer or something for this movie, it's just called "Just the Worst Hero." Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> but that's like the interesting thing, and kind of the whole pitch behind the film is Jack Burton is not the hero of this film. No, he's not. He's the yeah. sidekick. He is, and that's what makes it kind of interesting and awesome. Like he's actually the sidekick in Wang's story. Mm. <laughs> Wang is the hero. Wang is the hero. Um, and so that kind of led to uh, issues with the film. Like in particular with the studio, they were just they just didn't. I'm not surprised. <laughs> and the fact that like wait. So your hero is not the hero? <laughs> and so that whole opening scene, actually, the kind of cold open with a lawyer or a city cat, I don't oh, know yes. who, talking to Egg Shen, yeah. who like, went his, on holiday at the end of the movie. That was his attorney. Yeah, mm. so that is all reshoots demanded by the studio to... Give some context or something? or No, to make Jack Burton seem like more of a hero. Now, if you're protecting Jack you Burton... You leave Jack Burton alone. We are in his debt. He showed great courage. Okay. And it makes no sense, and it's absolutely pointless, and Carpenter hated that he had to do it and include it. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah, like, I was just thinking, like, if Carpenter wasn't riding on a wave of success after his first few films, there's no way anyone would have picked this up. Well, he wasn't really. That's the thing. Like, um, Halloween is one of, I think we were saying in the Mm. last episode... Like one of his like his second film, third film after um, Dark Star and Assault on Precinct Thirteen, 
he it's like this massive massive hit mm. like in the national film registry like one of the most budget to gross ratios biggest hits ever then he had a string of not so successful films like The Fog and The Thing Tanks. It didn't do well, actually. I'm going to be saying that. And um, Escape from New York was kind of middling. Like, yep. I think I recalling it was like 30 something in the box office yeah. rankings. Like, it yeah. was middle of the ground. He wasn't doing actually all that great. He wasn't dominating. But then, uh, in advance of this, he'd done uh, the Stephen King adaptation of Christine, the one about the killer car. Oh yes, and that was actually a mild kind of hit. One of the yeah, he did one that of Stephen King hits. Yeah, and it's actually a really awesome movie. I rewatched it like a month or yep. so ago. It holds up great. Um, and then he did Starman, also for Columbia, mm. which um, got Jeff Bridges his second Oscar nomination, and for best it was his first one for best actor. And all of a sudden, it was like, oh, Carpenter's a good director in the eyes of the studios. Yep. And so he was getting all these projects thrown at him that he had no interest in directing. Like, apparently Top Gun they threw at him this year. And he was really? like, no. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> horrible. I wonder what he would have done with that. Yeah. So, but he just kind of stuck to his guns and was like, I want to make stuff that's fun. Well, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> or stuff that he wanted to yeah. make. And it just, unfortunately, I'll, I'll get into later the issues that kind of came <laughs> with yeah. this film. It's out there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, let's talk about Kurt for a bit. Like, yeah, yeah. like we said, just the worst hero. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't try and guess his name or his truck's name. Jack Burton. Who? Jack Burton. Me. <laughs> and the Pork Chop Express. Fallen ass. <laughs> oh, puntastic. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously, you can really see it this time when he's playing Snake Bliskin. He's Clint Eastwood. This time, he's John Wayne. Oh, his gibberish over the truck, the, the radio at the start. It's one of my favorite character introductions of all of cinema. Because it makes... No, no. <laughs> Just listen to the old Pork Job Express and take his advice on a dark and stormy night, all right? When some wild-eyed, eight-foot-tall maniac grabs your neck, taps the back of your favorite head up against a barroom wall, and he looks at crooked in the eye, and he asks you if you've paid your dues. Well, you just stare that big sucker right back in the eye, and you remember what old Jack Burton always says at a time like that. Have you paid your dues, Jack? Yes, sir, the check is in the mail. But, yeah, it's absolute nonsense. It's garbage. He's waffling. He's a... Blo- yeah. it, but it immediately tells you everything you, you need to know about yeah. this character. It does. It's great. And <laughs> he's so- a truck driver. He's a blowhard. He's egotistical. Like, yeah. everything. Yeah, he's <laughs> his, not smooth talking. No. You know, his name, his profession, <laughs> his attitude. <laughs> Just him eating his sandwich or sub or yeah it's kebab or whatever it is. it's so wonderful and perfect and you're like okay this is not the other john carpenter kurt russell films where you've no. something different here let's go and then yeah. and then it gets stranger and stranger you fall down the- it's kind of great the reporter has that one line about it mm. being uh, kind of like an alice in wonderland you know what this is this is like some radical alice in wonderland that's what this is Yes, yeah, because it does, it's a gradual transition, and then, like, to the point where monsters start appearing, and you're like, oh, yes, it's gone to the next level. I love, though, that, like, you get that glimpse of that first monster when it grabs Gracie, like, the big kind of Sasquatchy Chewbacca-looking guy. Yeah. And then, but, like, 
that's our first glimpse of like, oh, there are monsters now. Yes. But then when they're in the underworld traveling in, like trying to break into Lopan's palace, and the you described it as like the Beetlejuice snake monster yes. came out, Jack flips out. <laughs> you won't come out no more. What? Huh? What'll come out no more? Because <laughs> where's the audience? No monsters exist. Yeah, he doesn't. <laughs> and I love that 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 and later in the film, for all the other ones, he's just like, sure, why not? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> God, no, please, what is that? Don't tell me. He's beyond caring now. He's like, oh my gosh. I guess this is the world we live in. (laughs) And Kurt plays it so perfectly. He does. Yeah, he does the classic, like, um... He also almost does, like, that Indiana Jones, just, like, shoot the swordsman kind of thing. Yes, yeah. Um, And, yeah, it is just, he knows... Kurt Russell's an actor who doesn't get enough props as a... For his comedic timing. No, his timing in this is good. Like, I, I, the first one I go to is the bit with the door. Ready? Follow the leader. One, two, three. We may be trapped. It's it's so perfectly timed, and he plays it so wonderfully. That, yeah. But, like, most of the time, in particular, like, modern audiences, they think Kurt Russell, they think, like... Hateful Eight or like you know those kind of the, yeah. the miracle the hockey film um, Bone Tomahawk even mm. but then you, and even with Death Proof you think about how kind of this is gritty dark except for the end oh yes that's right when he goes full Japanese comedy with it oh that's right gosh oh why oh no oh. ah ah but that's the thing about Kurt, like, even in a film, like, you forget that he's such a good comedic actor. He's actually got range. Yeah. yeah, and he just nails it. Um, I think this, like, this is probably easily my favourite of his performances in a Carpenter film. Yeah? Yeah. It's, yep. like, McCready is great, but he's, there's nothing really there. He's not deep. No. no. And neither is Snake. Snake is, like, one-dimensional. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's kind of... That works perfectly. Yeah. Now, this is, um, this one has real charisma and charm and even at the end where he doesn't even like kiss her goodbye yeah it's like such a perfect touch yeah it's just like yeah that's that character yeah like oh it's the funny thing because in jack burton's head he's like well on to my next adventure yes. not realizing he's the sidekick yes <laughs> yeah like it looks like he's like i was saying it looks he's like the he's... guest of the week yes. in, this, in this story in this crazy chinatown world yeah oh yeah Oh, yeah. And he's just going to go back, take truck and pigs from Chinatown to Chinatown. Yeah, it's pretty much as farm to Chinatown. He's just going to be hauling ass across the country. You're not Mad Max. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Oh, but so funny. Mm. Um, Just even like... Yeah, it's funny because he doesn't... He sort of runs around a little bit alpha-ish and a little bit lead the adventure, but at the same time he's, he's... it's more just out of necessity for the scene. Yeah. Um, he definitely doesn't know what's going on and he doesn't pretend to. He's kind of a conduit for the audience because mm. if you didn't have a hapless kind of white yeah. man stumbling his way oh through gosh. this world... We would be very hapless without Which him. is something that like people later on like have started to kind of really credit John Carpenter for nowadays is he... There are like three white people... In the entire cast of this film, yes. that is a major big budget studio film in the eighties. Mm. Like, yep. he made it, it, that did not really happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's also you need that kind of that and 
the that no, drive. The non-white <laughs> yeah. um, characters are all of the... They, they're the story drivers. And they're the they're, competent they're the heroes, ones. They're the heroes, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, um, Kim, Kim Cattrall's character... Um, uh, Gracie Law. Gracie Law, yep. Um, she at least sort of knows what's going on. Yeah. A little bit. Well, that's thanks to all the exposition dumps. Oh my gosh, they're so funny. If the storm's half a mile here, then there's only one place they could take her. Lopan. Yes. The godfather of Little China, Mr. David Lopan. You mean the David Lopan that's chairman of the National Orient Bank and owns the Wing Kong Import-Export Trading Company, but who's so reclusive that no one's even laid eyes on this guy in years? <laughs> Can we talk about those for a sec? Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> between her and the, the, the lawyer, we will learn everything yeah. in, in a very short period of time. And <laughs> it's so clearly John Carpenter just being like, all right, that's done now. <laughs> yeah, let's just do it. Let's kind of make it. Let's let's. It's, this is just even on the nose, like yeah. Which I'm kind of wondering if it's a reference to like the old kind of sword and sorcery, all mm. crossed with kind of those the Japanese films of the sixties and seventies, where it's just like information dump. Yep. Move on with the fun. Here's all the lore you need to know. Yeah, and, and then off we go again. Yeah, and could also be a holdover a little bit from uh, the Western genre, which this was originally supposed to be. Yes, and we're talking about that. Street fight showdown kind of had that kind of um, standoff. Yeah, and the guy's got the six shooter pistols. And that definitely was. Uh, yeah, and Jack's got a saddlebag. I noticed yes. that. Yeah, yeah, particularly at the end, that final scene. So yep. there are these little nods to it originally being a western, mm. but um, yeah. So originally it was set in the eighteen uh, hundreds, like the early days of San Francisco. Oh, really? Was set that far back? Yep, and oh. it was about like the emergence of Chinatown and things, and it still had the mysticism and thing. Yeah. And David Lopan. But Jack Burton, uh, his horse is stolen, and so he's yep. just on an adventure looking for his horse and stumbles across Wang and helps with this story. Yeah. And um, it was these two first-time screenwriters. Um, I should say their names just for the sake of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, credit them where credit is due. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, Gary <laughs> Goldman and David Weinstein. Yep. Uh, they... So they sold the script, and then they uh, studios were like, "Yeah, it's you got some interesting ideas. Let's do some rewrites." And they kept doing rewrites, but they weren't changing it enough. And eventually, they kind of passed on their draft and got uh, other writers to come in and work on it. Yep. Uh, the main one being uh, W. D. Richter, who is an amazing writer. He mm. uh, won an Oscar for the Paul Newman film Brubaker. Yep. He wrote the seventies adaptation of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, that is a good movie. And he uh, directed uh, The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension with Peter Weller. <laughs> yeah, okay. I definitely have not seen that. Uh, do you, well, he is a nuclear physicist cowboy ninja who also wears a keyboard necktie and plays in a band. <laughs> so all of life's important skills. And he has to stop John Lithgow, who's an alien, <laughs> from destroying the world. Oh, I, did I forget to mention that he's also a rocket car pilot? Who sets the world speed record? This movie's incredible. It sounds, jeez. It's got a uh, Jeff Goldblum, John uh, <laughs> Lithgow, yeah, Peter Weller. It's fantastic. So this guy like knows camp and fun. <laughs> yes. So he mm. came in to rewrite. Yep. Completely scrapped everything except for the low pan storyline. Yep. That central. Modern, completely modernized it. Created like the characters of Gracie Lord did all of this. Yep. The studio loved it. Carpenter got involved. Carpenter did a couple of uncredited rewrites. Mm-hmm. Um, and so much so that when the film was going to come out, the original writers weren't even going to be credited. They got real upset about that, took it to arbitration with the WGA, mm. and they have sole writing credit on it. 
and WD Richter has Adaptation by... I did see him in the credits, yeah. Yeah, so that's like a big... That's like one of the first issues with behind the scenes of this. Yeah, I mean... Oh, it's probably not the right time to talk about it, really, is it? But, like, yeah, it's a tough one when you've written the story and a lot of it's been taken. Yeah, it, it, and that's the thing. Like, it, I mean, I understand the WGA standing behind original writers, mm. getting credit for ideas and things. Yes. That, that's totally fine. But, yeah. yeah, I think they've since changed it where it's your contribution to the script needs to be a certain percentage, and if you yeah. can't prove that mm. of the final product, then you don't get credit. Yeah. But tough. Yeah. Yep. That's, um, it's sort of like that's this film has a real interesting history and backstory. Oh, so. man, it'd have to. Mm. <laughs> For the absolute it'd just, just batshit craziness oh that it is. Um, oh my gosh. But yeah, sorry, I totally derailed with the history of the writers <laughs> and the script. No, no, that's good. Uh, Kim Cattrall, you had only, I'm guessing, seen her in Sex and the City. Yep. Yeah, as Samantha. Yes. Um, this is a very different performance. It is, mm. yes. Um, yeah, I've only seen her as quite a powerful woman. Yes, a, a saucy minx. <laughs> yeah, a strong woman. And yeah. um, not that her character here isn't strong. No, no. But in, in more of a softer, naive, I don't know. Youthful, I would say. Yeah, youthful, yeah. The, the kind of youthful exuberance, that kind of gung-ho attitude, hmm. which pretty much all the characters, except for Jack. Yes. <laughs> like, Wang is just like, let's, we we got to do this. Yeah, they're all like, we've got to do this. Yeah. And, and <laughs> Jack eventually ends up like that as he well. He does it because everyone else, he's got FOMO. Yes, he does. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, she she wonderfully knows what it is, I think. Yeah, she definitely understands the, the campiness of it I guess and doesn't like there are moments where she like goes real over the top and has fun with it like in the sewer when it's like everyone popping up yes (laughs) that felt like a real Mel Brooksy kind of moment yeah and then like the moments she knows where it's like oh it's funny if I play this real flat yeah like yeah and then the bit in the uh, the truck with the the, the lights red the light screen yeah (laughs) that was perfect because apparently um at nights, she was actually in a play. She was in a Chekhov play. Oh my gosh! At, during the same nights, really? <laughs> like, so she could only shoot kind of during the days and things. So yeah. yeah. So like, she is a very talented actress, yeah. but like, is kind of having fun and playing with this one. So yeah. No, she- I read a quote from her saying that like uh, her film work subsidizes her theatre work. <laughs> so. How interesting! And I guess that's yeah how maybe she ended up. Um, but um, I also thought yeah, so she was good. Everyone was good to be honest. Wang, um, what, what, who's the actor who played? Dennis Dunn. Yeah. So I think this was his second film. He was in Michael Cimino's Year of the Dragon, and that's mm-hmm. where Carpenter kind of noticed him from. Yep. Um, although he was the second choice. Oh. Carpenter originally went wanted to get Jackie Chan in the really? role as his yeah. first English language film. Yep. Um, because uh, Carpenter, being a film lover and things, had seen Police Story and was like, "Holy crap, this guy's amazing!" Yeah, he would be perfect. He's got the skills and the physical comedy, and yeah, understanding the comedy and the timing mm. and everything, and martial arts trained and everything. Yep. Uh, the studio was just like, "I, I don't get it. That guy won't be a star. <laughs> he can't really speak English. It's like, what, what? Why would we do that?" Do you speak any English? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? <sighs> so. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Which, like, I think if Jackie Chan was in this, it, I don't think he's right for the role. 
No, um, What's-His-Face did a great job. He's phenomenal yeah. in it. But it, I think if Jackie Chan was also in this, it would make this film an even more well-known cult film. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Just but, particularly considering what he went on to do as well. Yeah, yeah, the massive... Like, God, that guy is an honor. He got an honorary Oscar two years ago. Like, he's mm. been recognized as a massive Let, guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Dennis Dunn, I think, is so wonderful and plays it as that kind of... He knows he's the he's playing that brash hero role. Yeah, like it, the brazen kind of like, well, we got to go in there and we got to do it. Yeah, and that like strong attitude and like never leave a man behind. Like yeah. it's that stuff that you would normally see from your hero protagonist. But, yeah, yeah. But as a as a secondary character, it's a really interesting angle. And then like um, like he delivers both sides well. Like his, his verbal stuff is really good. Like he acts really well along um, and his um. His bond with uh, with Kurt Russell is is spot on. Like yep. they just like early on, it felt kind of awkward. I'm like, do, do they it's, hate each other? It's a weird relationship in that opening game. Yeah, I'm like, scene. do they even know each other? Yeah. And then it turns out they do. And I don't know whether that's because they shot those scenes first and they warmed to the whole just oh, this is what's actually happening here. Yeah. Um, but uh, by the end, like, or not even by the end, by twenty minutes in, 30, yeah, like after the airport scene, really. Yeah, pretty much. And and particularly once they're breaking into the palace. The, place um for the first time i don't know what it is <laughs> when they eat their the story yeah well, <laughs> yes but the, even the first time around when they sneak past the security guards yeah oh, was with the telephone in the hand <laughs> dumbest plan ever it worked sort of um and then like of course an elevator is going to fill up with water and kill you yeah come on <laughs> first trick in the book that's that's why i love this film because it is so silly yeah so self-aware yet it still has all of those beats that you would get in a normal adventure film yes like Sneaking into the palace, you think you've made it, but then all of a sudden the elevator starts filling There's with water, yeah. and you're in a like sunken room full of skeletons and corpses. Like, it's yeah. a real Indiana Jonesy kind of adventure. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so yeah, I think he he met like their bond was was really good, and they bounced off each other perfectly. Yep. And then um and then in every fight scene, his martial arts skills <laughs> came to the fore, and even just his um. A lot of those flying through the air, <laughs> but like his his commitment and expression throughout those is perfect. Yeah, I was getting severe like monkey flashbacks, like monkey magic. <laughs> Did you ever watch? No, uh, no, not really. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> that like real silly, over the top seventies kind of. Yeah, yeah, it definitely had that. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, <clears throat> that was hilarious, and yet, and um, I guess on that same topic, those the three storms. They, yeah. they're all good they're all hamming it up and things as yeah. well and I mean how can you not oh you've got to one <laughs> yeah. of them literally explodes <laughs> that's it is such a wonderful practical effect that dummy yeah. yeah and the fact that like it's set up with his weird like breath holding already and yeah. he inflates at one point earlier in the film as well that's right yeah but yep. just like and then yeah so when that <laughs> moment comes along you're like of course mm. <laughs> And I, I, we we have to mention James Hong, the amazing James Hong as Lopan. Oh my gosh, he is so wonderful. Um, his nuance and bizarre noises, and how much he is hamming it up and having fun. Yeah, I, he might even be better than um, M Bison. I, I kind of <laughs> yeah, like his end fight with uh, Egg Shen when they're doing like the shadow boxing mysticism, yes. and he gets his little thumbs going. Yes. Like, he's like full on gaming or something, yeah. <laughs> and like he's just he's playing it full Bond villain with like yeah. <laughs> like his little, little high bitch squeals. Yeah, and, and his, oh, his weird fingernails. Yeah, and his, but his yeah his noises and his facial expressions, um, matching with his like bizarre like fantastic costume. Yeah. 
um, yeah, his commitment is just just top notch. Mm. Which is so strange because uh, when like the trailers started to come out for this film, a lot there was a bit of backlash. People thought it was like over stereotype performances, yes. and you're like, ah, when you watch it, not at no. all. Yeah, because um, I was wondering. I'm like. That was in my mind while I was watching it, of yeah. course. Um, I didn't expect it to be because of the reputation it's got and who's in it. Yeah. And who, who produced it. And, and particularly how um, Chinese the cast is. Yeah. As well. Um, but you're watching it. No, you don't. Like, they're more just hamming it up. It's not... Yeah. Um, they're it's not fun. stereotyping. I didn't feel that way anyway. No, no. Um, because they were just embracing the silliness of it. Yeah, but with like an isolated clip of uh, like David Lopan when he's the old man in the wheelchair. Yeah. You could const- like see if you just saw that as an isolated thing, you'd be like, oh. yeah. And then if you heard his voice, because he's got, he's yeah, almost sounds like he's putting on like a full accent. But then when you're like, no, that's a two thousand year old man, put like. Cursed by a demon. Like, there's a reason for this. Yeah. <laughs> like, it all makes sense. You need some me. context, don't worry. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it didn't, um, like, yeah, if it, if it was done totally differently, I don't know, yeah, it could have made you feel uncomfortable, but um, mm. no, I didn't get that vibe at all, which was nice. And uh, just on the note of uh, Lopan as an old man, that makeup effect was phenomenal. I know, yeah. Um, all the practical effects and the visual uh, mm. effects done later. It was uh, Richard Edland who had done uh, Ghostbusters and things recently. Oh, okay. He yeah. used to be the head of ILM, but then he left to start his own, and his first major big one was Ghostbusters. This, what year was this film? This is 86. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And Ghostbusters is 83? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and considering they only had $2 million for all of the special effects and very wow. little time. So they, he, uh, has been quoted as like recently saying like he considers it one of his best achievements for time and money and what they did. And yep. the effects still look great. For... Yeah, like the, the only thing that isn't super duper is a Sasquatch creature. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and like that, the floating eye monster is He's amazing. Good. Really good. And like, you can see that kind of hard line around him as the optical yes. kind of put in, but that is like, whatever. <laughs> and then just like, even when it smiles and there's another eyeball. <laughs> yeah. So perfect. Oh yeah. Just like, so creative mm. and genuinely effective. Yeah. And, um, yeah, all the practical effects, like the swelling and uh, low pan, when he kind of glows like he's got a lampshade in it, like he's oh, a lamp yeah. or something. Like, yeah, great and, across the board. And, yeah, and the set design. Yeah, that is crazy. The mm. set and the costume design. So, apparently, okay, this film was rushed into production. Okay. Because, <laughs> yeah, so this is a bit more of the backstory. I'm like slowly drip feeding. Quick, we're going to get this out. <laughs> yeah, drip feeding it. Yeah, because Paramount announced that they were doing a film called, like, because Fox had bought this and they were like, yep, we're going to do this. Yep. And then all of a sudden Paramount was like, oh, well, we're also doing a Chinese mysticism film called The Golden Child with Eddie Murphy. Oh, and, <laughs> at that time. Yeah, yeah. and uh, John Carpenter's openly said, like, no one has done a Chinese mysticism film ever for two to come out in the same summer like mm. that's not coincidence no and so in an effort to beat the um the release date of um i'm just trying to find where it was yeah golden child was coming out at christmas so they wanted yep. to beat it for a summer release date so they started shooting in october they went into pre-production what? in october and it was out by july wow yeah they had 10 weeks of pre-production only to build all of those sets and do all of those effects, make all those costumes. Really? Crazy. <laughs> they rushed it. Uh, despite it being, like, crazily rushed, everyone said it was one of the best 
productions they'd ever been on. Like, actually, yeah. like, everyone was having fun, knew what they were doing, having a great time. It's pretty good considering, like, things like even choreography yeah. and things like that. And I think because they had Fox behind them during the production to kind of rush and get it all done, they had a substantial budget for the time. They had yeah. 20, uh, 20 to $25 million. There's no yeah. kind of concrete figure yeah. on it. So, yeah, it was kind of... The fact that they, like, you've mentioned, like, multiple times throughout the film how great the sets and the costumes mm. were... The fact that they were put together from scrap in 10 weeks yeah. is admirable as hell. I, I, and just even that the final, like, um, volcano lair. Yeah, <laughs> the neon volcano skull Temple of Doom lair. Yeah, which they had to get to by going through some old tunnels under a... It's, the, of the, it's the lifeblood of the earth. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Lopan calls it, like, the bog of the dead trees or something. Yeah, something really cool like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, a great name. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and then, yeah, that, that final... Um, but all the other, like, they go through a lot of different rooms yeah. when they're both times when they're um, exploring through the um, palace. I'm going to call it a palace. And, the, like, the warehouse as well. Yep. Like, every, there's something on every shelf in that warehouse. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so one is literally just full of, like, ceramic Buddhas. Yeah. Well, <laughs> apparently, like, a lot of the background uh, kind of details were just made of, like, paper mache and cardboard and stuff to yep. give the illusion that it's opulent and brilliant and... Yep. There's a lot of trick photography, like uh, the scene with Jack, uh, and using like forced perspective. Mm. So like hallways would actually, they weren't actually that long, but the perspective would get smaller yeah. to make it appear longer and things. Very, very clever. Yeah. And like when Jack's uh, falling backwards in the wheelchair yes. down towards the well, yep. that's just flat and they're just pulling him along. Oh, <laughs> like yeah, it's, good. it's one of the, every trick in the book you can yep. in filmmaking films. Yeah, it's, and yeah, just the photography in general as well, like you're saying, while we're watching, like... Dean Cundy, man, he was a great cinematographer. Mm. He, like, he shot all of uh, John Carpenter's films. This was the last time they worked together. Yeah. Uh, because I believe he then went off and started working with Spielberg. Yeah. And he shot, like, Hook and Jurassic Park and things. Oh, while. yeah, I can see. Uh, Back to the Future for Zemeckis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's still Zemeckis' go-to cinematographer. Yeah. I have a feeling, but... um. Yeah, his work is taking a dip, and oh. he now does stuff like uh, Jack and Jill. Don Cacino! You want creamy goodness? I'm your friend. Say hello to my chocolate blend. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. check. Yeah. yeah. Gotta retire one day. But, um, yeah, he, he... I mentioned, like, during the fight scenes in particular, he, he and Carpenter working together, they're economic shooters. Mm. They don't flood you with multiple angles on things they're like we'll only cut in if we need it like the example i always think back to is quantum of solace yeah okay i that still, opening car chase and the, i remember the boat scene in that you yeah. don't have a clue what's happening yeah um, and i think that's obviously the style because they go just berserk the yeah. editing and the, but um i just found it awful i don't i think the plot of that film theoretically might have been okay but um, it just gave me a headache, and mm. I, I've never really felt that way before about a film. Yeah, well, it that's I think a product of the rise of the Michael Bay's of the world. Yeah, like a different style of directing came out, and I think also largely music video style. Yes, there's yeah. the two camp like people that came out of music videos like David Fincher, <laughs> yeah, uh, Spike Jones, yeah, Michelle Gondry that know filmmaking language and how to craft something yes whereas there's the other school people like Michael Bay who are mm-hmm. just shoot the shit out of it yep 
and they don't, yeah, kind of get it. No, and look, sometimes... Like, no offence to the people that may like those films, that's fine. I mean, some of Michael I mean, God, Bay's. we're going to be doing two Michael Bay films later this yeah, season. Yeah, we are, and <laughs> like, I have a wonderful time every time I watch The Rock. Yeah. Um, so, like... Not knocking that style, but it is a different style of how to shoot action, and I yeah. think... It's interesting. What's happened to it over the last 20 years is it's gotten bigger and bigger and bolder and more brash and just... I guess that's <sighs> one reason why something like um, Fury Road stands out. Yes, because it is... Very different. That epic scale, but with that traditional style of how mm. to shoot action. Just a lot of... Not bucket loads of quick shots and no. like... You can picture those shots of when they're like leaping from the back of the truck. It's just one shot. It's not like close up on hand, grabbing pole, pole swing, blah, blah. It's not no, like... It's like, all right, we've got one shot. Yeah. <laughs> Let's two just, shots. Yeah. That, um, that's all we need to tell the story. There's an amazing uh, interview with Sam Jackson talking about mm. working on the Marvel films. I said, oh, so now you're going to be a mechanic. So you shoot master, close, close, closer, over, over, over. <laughs> I go hardline and go, look, I'm not going to do that because you've already got everything you need to tell the audience what they need to know about what's happening here. <laughs> and Samuel L. Jackson can say and do what he wants because he has done so many movies. And not just that, but he has worked with incredible directors like Paul Thomas Anderson, Spielberg, Tarantino, Tarantino like he knows yeah. film and he's been doing it for, for nearly 50 years know, now. It's crazy. Forget how old he is. Yeah. <laughs> Um, because he's still playing kick-ass roles. Yeah. But it's, it's that that thing of kind of overshooting for the sake of kind of a hype to create tension and, and create movement. And Trick it, movement. Whereas if you look at a film like Big Trouble in Little China, bringing it back around, yes. it creates that excitement and that movement from the story and the characters. Well, the fight scenes are quite quick, I guess. But yeah. But still, yeah. even then, there's like, yeah. But, like, it, it's, it doesn't need that extra kind of sharpness to the editing and the cinematography. Mm. It, the fun and excitement come from the base story and the fun of it all, I yes. guess. Yes, yeah. Yeah, not relying on, um, yeah, the film technique. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, yeah, that it has substance, not just... It's that kind of opposite of style over substance, mm. I guess. But, yeah. Yeah. Um... I don't know. Was there anything else you think we might have missed? Or... No, I think we're pretty good. I mean, we'll just say that the soundtrack's great again. Oh, it's, it's Carpenter. Yeah. yeah, that's synth and... But, <laughs> so, I don't know, there's something a little special to it. Yeah. Didn't lean into um, Chinese, like, um, instrumental sort of stuff. I thought it might, yeah. maybe, just based on um, the funk that just sort of crept into, um, <laughs> into um, Escape from New York. Mm-hmm. But... Um, yeah, no, it's just, just good. And then the end credit song, which I'm sure you'll... You can feel the wind is rising, the truth is here. Out of the Okay, yeah, it, do yourself a favour, <laughs> and uh, the end credits... Uh, song for this film uh, I'll post it on Facebook and Twitter and everything and link probably link to it even in the episode description because it's that good it's um, pretty good it, it is sung it is a song sung by John Carpenter as well as uh, Tommy Lee Wallace and I'm blanking on the third guy's name but they're I think it's the 
assistant director and the editor and things like they're all in a band together. <laughs> oh, I want to say it's Nick Castle who played like the original Michael Myers and co-wrote um, Escape from New York. Maybe. Oh, yeah, right. I want to say that it's him, but yeah, could be wrong. Right. We'll find out. It's them singing and it is... Wow, that music video. It yeah, is... I haven't seen the video yet, so that's something I'm going to be doing later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, the music is fantastic. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I guess... Uh, do we jump into some history, like the how yeah. it didn't things? Yes, yeah. Okay. So the film, as we said, had a budget of uh, roughly 20 to $25 million. Mm-hmm. And it went on to gross 11.1. Oh. I mean, look, I'll be honest. I'm not surprised. It is weird. Okay. This is where, it, yeah, understandable. <laughs> yeah, it's a box office. <laughs> yes. Um, but mm-hmm. basically what happened um, with this film was... Like I, I kind of teased earlier, the executives didn't get it. No. Uh, so much so that uh, when they screen, they had done a couple of test screens and they tested really well, like really high. And the s- yeah. some studio execs were like, "Cool, we got a hit on our hands." Yep. And then uh, there's one executive in particular, like no one names him. No. But there was an executive screening. He walked out to go make a couple of phone calls and then came back in and finished the film and then gave notes on, like, stuff that was explained in the 20 minutes that he wasn't there. Because he... (laughs) (laughs) And, like, exposition. He's like, that doesn't make sense, that this... And so the studio lost faith in the film. Yeah. And only started to put trailers and posters and stuff out for a week before it came out. That's not how you do it. Uh, Because a week and a half later, Aliens was coming out, so they decided to funnel all of the marketing money that they had into Uh, that. And Yeah, so it basically... um, Yeah, Kurt Russell has kind of said that it came and went in like a week. It just kind of... In and out, yeah. Did nothing because uh, Fox lost faith in the film and didn't kind of push for it. Yeah. Yeah, And there's only so much money you can throw it, and they had... Aliens sitting there ready to go. Yeah, like, was... and it was also they. I think Carpenter and Russell and uh, Larry Franco, the producer, and everyone mm. were just like, "Why are you putting this out in the summer? Like, we'd be way better suited for like a September, October kind of release. Yes, like, yeah. why? Yeah, why are you pushing this? We're not a summer blockbuster. We're not a really. blockbuster. No, we're a fun adventurey kind of film. Like, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, mm. only eleven point one million dollars. Um, so adjusted for inflation, that's about twenty six million nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the sixty eighth highest grossing film yeah. of eighty six, <laughs> coming in behind previous films we've done on the show: Top Gun, Crocodile Dundee, An American Tale, Short Circuit, and Pretty in Pink. Oh, All short- of them beat this. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, by Short Circuit, beat this by forty seven films. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, family film. Yeah, family film. <laughs> Uh, although it was nominated for a Saturn Award for Best Music, so there's that. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> Go Carpenter. Yeah. So, yeah, that's okay. kind of about it. Oh, I do have some alternate casting. Oh, there was, yep. Yeah. So, apparently, uh, the studio wanted uh, John Carpenter to cast a rock star in the role of Gracie Law. Just unspecified. They were just like, put a rock star in there. Madonna? Well, I think it's like, <laughs> yeah, because she had just started acting and it was yeah. just... And Cindy Lauper and, th- like, you know, it was oh, around yeah. that time where pop stars were starting to act, so they were like... Whitney Houston? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll find out later how yes. that went. Um, but, yeah, she, like, Carpenter was like, no, stuck to his guns, and was just like, I really like this girl, Kim Cattrall, she gets it. Yep. Let's stick with her. Uh, I'd already mentioned about uh, Jackie Chan. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then we are for... So, Kurt Russell was obviously John Carpenter's only choice. <laughs> yep. This is their fourth film together. Fourth mm-hmm. of five. Yep. Um, but the studio had a couple of suggestions. Yeah. Uh, Jack Nicholson. Oh, my God. Or Clint Eastwood. Oh, they really had no idea what was going on, did they? Nope. Uh, the only kind of semi-believable one was uh, Jeff Bridges, because he had just worked with Carpenter and Starman. Yeah. I guess, from the studio's point of view, they probably vision-wise didn't really understand. And with the original Western kind of theme. Yeah. And I guess Jack Nicholson's a, just Jack Nicholson. Their idea is put a star in there. Yeah. And at this yeah. point, Kurt Russell was was not really a star. No. He'd, he'd had a bunch of kind of... Moderate to flops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'd been in like interest. He has an interesting filmography, but nothing really that's like you're a star and a leading man. No, so yeah. not like those other guys here. No, but I guess our final thoughts. Uh, Eric, as a kid, what would you have thought? I actually think I would have loved the hell out of that. Yeah, because <laughs> it would have made as much sense as it does now. Exactly. Um, and it's just silly fun, and I think all the jokes would have semi. I don't know. Just it's just fun. Yeah, it get it just turns into a full blown cartoon. Yeah, like it does. When, That's it. It's like a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, and like when Thunder is fighting against Wang, and it's just like bookcases and things being thrown up <laughs> off screen. It, it's so silly and fun, and I mean there is some violence in there at the beginning yes. of the fight. Like it kind of starts a bit hyper real, but then it mm. just shifts so quickly into cartoony silliness yeah, and just people getting just kicked. Yeah, that it is like kind of great for like. Probably like you know, eight to twelve year old. Like it's yeah, in yeah, that it's, kind of it's safe Indiana Jones level. It's borderline PG. Yeah. Like yeah, if it were safe for some of the violence and things, but yeah. yeah, it's so much fun. Yeah, it is. It is silly, silly fun. Yeah, and so Eric is an adult. Dug it. Will I did. You, will you think you'll ever watch this one again? I could in the right year. Yeah. I think like you know, you and me and, and others could easily just chuck that on. It's it's a great party movie where it's like if you've got a group of friends hanging out, it's Perfect. so easy to put on. Especially if there are a couple who haven't seen it before. Oh yeah, that's perfect of, for that kind of situation. Yeah. yeah. But um, I guess that'll probably wrap us up for mm-hmm. Big Trouble in Little China. So time to pick the next film. Yes. Yep. Okay, so, next episode, I don't think we've got any more Carpenters in here. No, no, I think that was the the one happenstance of back-to-back. I think we'll get a totally different genre this time around. We're going to get Jerry Maguire. Ah, that's going to be interesting. That is a different genre, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Cameron Crowe. Yes, that's right, of course. So, Um, I'm guessing you've seen Almost Famous and that's probably it. Pretty much. Yeah, I rewatched that recently and enjoyed it much less than I used to. Yeah, it's one that... Hasn't aged well or I've got older, I'm not sure. I see the pretension of it, but Mm. the older I get, but last time I was like, wow, this is very pretentious. Yeah. But then I was like, wait, the characters are supposed to be, so is that like this, yeah, that, it kind of made me be like... Okay, that's kind of the point, I guess. Yeah. I, I still really did enjoy that. Film, I think, yeah, because uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character in that actually sort of is the yeah. kind of exposure to all that pretension and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I just realised, like, if only the lead kid could act. Yeah, Patrick Fugit. He's okay. Yeah. He's, yeah. I'd, I'd never really had an issue with it before. But anyway, yeah. um, Cameron Crowe, Jerry Maguire, yeah. ma- massive, <laughs> was it like 90... Four or five or something. Ninety-seven. I want to say. Um, His third 
fourth film as a dire- third film as a director. Yep. Um, I'm a huge fan of Say Anything, the his first one mm. about um yeah kind of dramedy with Cusack. Great. Um, but yeah, this is one that a lot of people kind of discount because of. Show me the money! Um, but I still really dig it, so I'm looking forward to hearing what you think. Yeah. No. Mm. Finally going to happen as well. Yeah. But, um, yeah, uh, we're going to mix things up a little bit. We're actually going to kind of slow the show down a little bit and we're going to ease back from doing it fortnightly um, just because it's a lot of work and I have another podcast. Eric has a very busy schedule, uh, as do I. Like New work starting up, which is nice. Yeah, so we're going to kind of ease the throttle back a little bit. and We ain't stopping because I've got films to watch. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) I'm looking over there. I see Thelma and Louise. I see Animal House. I see Bedknobs and Broomsticks. (laughs) We've got it all. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we're just going to ease back, and it won't be fortnightly, but they uh, keep subscribed, keep checking your feed. They will still be coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that note, I guess, rate and review, smash that like button, all Hell that yeah. stuff. Yeah, I feel horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, and I guess we'll see you for the next episode of Jerry Maguire. For this week, I'm Chris. I'm Eric. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you all next time. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library.